Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 136. Be Pimp, what's up with you? I'm doing great, and there's slim pickings at 36, but Marcus Smart, current Marcus? NBA Finals player, is yeah. 36. There you go. Um, hey, Matt's here. We, uh, welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. We are talking basketball for this one. We're trying something a little bit new. Of course, we got a whiskey to taste. But what we're trying in our top five list is it's uh, we're taking NBA drafts. And in this case, it's the 2007 NBA draft, a pretty big one, and redrafting them. That's our top five list. Like what, knowing what we know now, how would we redraft this draft? And, and this was your idea, BPIMP. How did this come to you? I was kind of killing time and went on a rabbit hole of looking at past NBA drafts out of curiosity. And I was just kind of, you know, it's very interesting to do. You'll hopefully when we talk about it, but like you look back and there's names I completely forgot even played in the league. Some of them didn't play very long, but I just, it's fun to kind of go back and read about them and like, you know, cause I've always, I was paying attention. I've always been a fan. So I know I watched them or whatever, but they just go out of your mind completely. So it's like a kind of a fun activity. I think. Uh, and you picked a, a good one to start with, too. Um, I know we'll talk about it in a second, but I think we might have some similarities in our top five. Yeah. So the 2007 draft, we'll go over who the actual picks were for that draft to refresh our listeners of who the big players were uh, for that one. But before we jump in, it is the Whiskey Sessions podcast. We have a whiskey to taste. It is my turn to taste a whiskey. Uh, and I've got another one from California. This is Spectre. This is California straight bourbon whiskey finished in Napa Valley, known for their wines, dessert wine casks. So again, this is Spectre Whiskey Company. Um, it was only established in 2019. It's kind of new. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, it is 51.5% uh, alcohol by volume. 103 proof. Uh, and this is from my good friend, Ben uh, Likens, who's been on this show. I think, did he go by Be Like? I can't recall. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure he did, yeah. But he was on the show. He's actually on a basketball-themed. Uh, uh, we have a fair amount of basketball-themed, I suppose. Uh, but he was on a basketball-themed uh, episode of the show where we went over the top five NBA players of all time. So uh, major thanks to Ben. He is moving to New York Pretty good New York accent, if I do say so myself. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for that, Ben. So I've got that on the rocks. I just poured it. Um, you can kind of see it. It's got like a... I know we talk about a caramely color a lot, but boy, this is like really caramely. That's almost like Werther's original. I know. It looks like I melted like five of those in a glass. Uh, so we'll see. I'm going to give it a quick smell. Mmm, it, it has a caramely, I mean, it's like your traditional bourbon smell, but with just like a little extra sweetness. I'm really catching that like syrupy caramely uh, note. So we'll see if uh, the dessert wine comes through in the casks uh, that it was finished in. It's great that Be Like bought you that. I really, I hope he's listening and he's, it was really good recording with him. He did something I love, which he called me Be Pimpin' on that episode a lot, which I <laughs> thought was great. <laughs> really enjoyed that. Yeah, that first sip, it hits pretty good. Like, I can tell it's uh, 
I mentioned it's more than 50% alcohol, which I can tell it is. And it's, uh, so we're hitting pretty hard, but still it's, it, I'm getting that warm sweater feeling like pretty early and it's a very even taste. I have no clue on the price point of this, but it, it tastes fancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, and now I'm, I don't think I'd probably have to have the other sips to say for sure. But now, I don't know if you ever get this. You try a whiskey for the first time and you're like suddenly excited. Like, oh, I have a whole bottle of this. Nice. <laughs> yes, I do have that. Yeah, He knew his whiskey. I'm, I'm not surprised that he picked out a winner for you. No, he definitely did. I'm going to give it another sip just to confirm. I, I'm certain I don't need the third sip. But the second sip, I want to have at least some due diligence here. Yeah, this isn't a fly-by-night operation we're running here. No, it certainly isn't. Second sip, yeah, good taste, very even, coating the mouth, good mouth feel. And I do just, I get like a little bit of that hint, that sweetness uh, that I think, you know, I am not a dessert wine person at all. I actually kind of hate dessert wines. They're way too sweet. But to get just a hint of it in this bourbon, I don't mind that at all. So I got to say, Spectre California Straight Bourbon Whiskey. I am putting it on the smooth train. Yes, I love it. I wanted to see when you showed the bottle if it was spelled like James Bond Spectre. I thought it might have been like a tie-in, but it isn't. No, it's not. It's E-R. Regrettable. Uh, but it's on the smooth train. Yeah, it's on the smooth train. I'm just going to see if there was some time there with Spectre. There is a train scene in Spectre. That's the, that's the, maybe that's the smooth train. We never realized it, but that yeah. train. It could be. Is the actual smooth train. We figured it out. All right, go out and get yourself some Spectre California straight bourbon whiskey if you can find it. Um, another one for the smooth train. And now we got to go back to talking about the NBA. Before we jump in to this 2007 redraft, let's take a, a moment to pause, pat ourselves on the back for both of us predicting that the Golden State Warriors, and this is when we had our podcast earlier in the playoffs, would be in the finals. We were right about that. I predicted and a win. You predicted a win, so we'll see if that happens. As of us recording this, the series is one-to-one. So um, by the time this is released, game three will have happened. So we don't know. I mean, the game three is pretty pivotal. I would say game one made me quite nervous. I was like, ooh, Celtics just seem better than the Warriors. But then game two, the Warriors had their classic third quarters that's like seemingly no one can stop. Yep. Honestly, I don't know which way this series is going. But all I know is that we both predicted the Warriors would get to this point at the very least. Yeah. And I think you did join, didn't you join in and say that you also predicted the win at that point? Let's say yes. Okay. I was probably susceptible to peer pressure. So I believe that <laughs> if I was, <laughs> it was an exciting time. We were, we just yeah. got into the Warriors fever. I wonder if I could s- sneak in. Uh, I know there's going to be game five at the very least. So maybe I can find my, find some tickets to go. Ooh, that would be cool. The key, I mean, I'm sure it'd be really expensive, but the key is to wait on the ticket sites like StubHub. Wait until the last minute. 
I went to a Warriors playoff game like this before, and the tickets were only like, uh, this is like three or four years ago. They were playing the New Orleans Pelicans in the second round. And I think we got tickets for like $95 a piece because we just waited till the very last second. Which wow, is, that's pretty cool. Yeah, really cheap for Warriors tickets. Uh, yeah. But I have yet to even go to the Chase Center. Yeah, the new one, yeah. That's yeah. a good point. It's only a couple of years they've been there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think this is the second season. Okay. So, but we'll see. Uh, the Warriors have been good. Uh, things are looking good for them. Now let's go back in time. Uh, this is a draft where I don't think... I don't know if the Warriors come into play with this. I would say they don't. Uh, although I guess I'm curious about your list. But BPM, why don't why don't we remind the listeners of at home how the actual 2007 NBA draft unfolded? I think that's a great idea. Just for to set the scene, it was June 28th, 2007, so almost exactly 15 years ago, at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And the first pick of the NBA 2007 NBA draft was Greg Oden, who went, who went to the Portland Trailblazers. He was from Ohio State. Number two was Kevin Durant by the Seattle Supersonics from Texas. Those were both freshmen. The Supersonics, you want to celebrate I don't that? <laughs> I don't know anything here. You know what I do remember, though, is uh, – I can't remember for sure, but Texas, even with Kevin Durant on that team, the team actually was not very good. They either missed the tournament or like just made it in and lost in the first game, I think. It was something like that. Yeah, they did not play very well. I remember that. Um, Number three, speaking of current NBA Finals players, Al Horford went to the Atlanta Hawks from Florida. One of three Florida Gators that went in the top ten. Of the draft, which was a record. Wow. Um, the Mike Conley. Oh, it was Mike? Yep. Mike Conley was a Gator? No, no, no. I was just going to the number four. Sorry. Number four, Mike Conley um, from Ohio State also with Greg Oden. He went to Memphis Grizzlies. Jeff Green went to the Celtics, but then was traded to the Supersonics. Um, he was from Georgetown. Uh, Yi John Lan, is that how you say it? I don't know. Uh, I tried. Good. Yeah. <laughs> he went to the Milwaukee Bucks out of China. Um, number seven was the second of three Gators, Corey Brewer, mm. to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Brandon Wright was the number eight pick from North Carolina. He went to Charlotte, but then was traded to the Warriors. Okay, that's um, right. He actually does post-game shows for the Warriors. He's pretty good. Oh, nice. I liked him as a player. He was like a big, lanky power forward that blocked a lot of shots. He was good. Um, Joakim went number nine to our Chicago Bulls. And that's Joakim Noah for non-Bulls fans. He of the awesome finger guns celebration whenever he (laughs) luckily made a shot. (laughs) Because he was terrible at offense. Um, and then number 10, actually somebody that I believe, you know, Spencer Hawes went to the Kings. Uh, definitely not on like friends terms or anything like that. But uh, what I know Spencer Hawes from is that first of all, his uncle, uh, coached my high school basketball team. 
and that's Steve Haas, who was also in the NBA. Uh, he played for a few teams, but I think mainly the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and it was pretty good. But Spencer Haas, who's three years younger than me, um, I remember when he was a freshman in high school and I was a senior, he actually came around to do, uh, after one of my practices, uh, do post-up drills against me. And I do think I got a block in there. He wasn't, he wasn't like seven feet tall by the time he was a freshman in high school. I think he was more like, he's still pretty tall, like six, five or six. But uh, yeah. He had a long career. He did. Yeah. So there's, there's your top 10 folks at home. I'm, I'm sure if you're a basketball fan, you're remembering some of these names. Maybe some of them are coming back to you that you forgot about. Uh, I think what's cool about doing this, especially now, is that you know we're talking about the NBA finals and the patting ourselves on the back for the Warriors being in it. But then after the finals are over, we've got 2022 NBA draft, 15 years after this 2007. So it'll be interesting to see what, who we think are, are good now and who will end up being good. Um, I think the number one pick for this upcoming draft is still kind of up in the air. Yeah. There's three guys that are pretty much like considered a lot to go one through three. Yeah, and the guy I'm rooting for, because he's from Seattle, uh, is Paolo Arncaro, whose name I hopefully am saying right, but uh, he went to O'Day High School, which is a Catholic high school in, in uh, Seattle, where I used to do like basketball camps at uh, on occasion. But I, I think he's the least likely to be the number one pick out of the three, but... Um, I, for some reason, I think he's going to be the best. Yeah, he definitely could be. He's got the, he's like completely NBA ready from a physical perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that always helps, but should I throw in my um, other little draft factoids here before we do? Oh yeah. 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 Hit him. hit him Like bring our listeners back 15 years ago. So one thing I mentioned briefly, but the this is the draft where the Supersonics traded Ray Allen to the Celtics. That was how they got Jeff Green mm-hmm. in that deal. So that was kind of a big, huge trade. Oh, yeah. Uh, franchise altering for both trade on draft night. I can't remember, like, my mindset at that time either because it, at that point, I think it was it was already felt that, like, we are – going to lose the Sonics. I know it was a full year that we got Kevin Durant, and technically I think we even drafted the Sonics drafted the next year too, uh, Russell Westbrook, but um, it was already known that this it was kind of going south. I was excited for Kevin Durant. There was still some hope, uh, but I think we also came in knowing like the Sonics were not going to be an actual competitive basketball team. Right. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's why it's weird. It's kind of bittersweet to talk about it, but it's still, I mean, seeing the Supersonics listed there is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned one of the other ones, which was the three Gators that got drafted in the top 10, which is kind of crazy. Also, there was two DePaul Blue Demons drafted in the second round. The first was Wilson Chandler, who played up until a couple of years ago. And the second was Sammy Mejia, who I had classes with at DePaul. Really? And he, yeah, and he had a super long European career he just retired in 2020 wow good for him i didn't remember sam yeah i do remember wilson chandler pretty well because i think he uh i think he only left the paul after his like sophomore year right 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he had a pretty good career. I yeah, he was really good. Yeah. Three and D wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mejia was like a six six, like kind of a skinny hybrid guard, and he he couldn't really shoot well enough, I don't think, to be in the NBA. But he was pretty athletic and like kind of had some good passing ability for a shooting guard. Um, but yeah, you always got to mention our DePaul connections. But then the last one that I thought was really interesting is they do the they show in the Wikipedia article for the draft the draft lottery like all the percentages of who should have picked where. And this is a draft where Memphis, Boston, and Milwaukee had had the three worst records in the prior season, but they Mm -hmm. got their worst possible picks they could get mathematically in the lottery. Memphis was four, Boston was five, and Milwaukee went all the way to six. So the top three picks all jumped from way, like really low odds to get there, which is really weird. It is interesting, though. That must have happened because it's not like the Sonics were not the second worst team. Right. That's how it was. It was like they, the Portland had maybe like the eighth best chance to get the first pick, and they did. Well, and Portland is like really traditionally awesome with like high lottery picks. Yeah. If they've got a number one or number two pick, they know what to do with it. Was that a Sam Bowie joke that I just missed? That was, <laughs> yeah. It was very- I love it. Hidden Sambui joke. It was a under. It was a such a low key Sambui joke that I missed it. I, I appreciate that. But no, I think that yeah, those are just the, some things. I, I I hope that we do this again. So I figured it would be good to give like set the scene like you said with the top ten, and then maybe do some facts like that because I find it very interesting. Definitely, yeah. If you're an NBA head uh, like us, then hopefully this will this will bring you back. But I'm excited. So we're, what we're doing this is. We both have top fives, basically our individual opinions of if we're the GM from every team, who are we going to redraft one through five based on how the career has turned out? Yep, exactly. So I have an almost impossible time believing we won't have at least one double dip, if not multiple. Yeah. Um, And I, I ventured to guess we actually have the same top five, not in the same order, but I think we probably do. So we'll see. Um, but without further ado, let's get into it. These are our top five picks from the 2007 NBA draft. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, BPM, who would you have drafted number five in the 2007 NBA draft? Number five would be Joakim Noah. Wow. Okay. What do you like? What? Joe Kim's career is interesting because his highs are high. I was yeah. reminded that he actually finished fourth in MVP voting uh, in the 2013-2014 season. Was that the year he was de- all de- the defensive player of the year? I think it must be. It's, yeah. it's like, I think Derrick Rose's first injury year or one of his first like full injury years. Yeah. And the Bulls were still pretty good. And so people are like, well, how are they still good? It's got to be Joakim. Right. But um, I yeah. just think I, he's, I mean, he had a solid career. I think, I think it probably ended sooner than a lot of people might have thought. Like he definitely, he's been out for a couple of years. And for the couple of years before that, he was not really effective. I mean, his knees just unfortunately pretty much gave out to the point where he couldn't play effectively anymore. But he did have a good he had a very solid run on a good but under uh, 
ultimately in hindsight, like underperforming both series of both teams, but he was an excellent player. I mean, he definitely had like at least five or six really solid years. So I thought it was worth picking five. Yeah, no, I totally think you're right. Um, he uh, definitely deserves to be in the top five. And he was a tough one because, yeah, his career ended probably a little short of what you wanted it to. And it also has that added, it's not his fault. I mean, like, if you're offered a lot of money, take it. But he's like one in a line of the Knicks just oh. overpaying. <laughs> big. Four years, four years, 72 million. It's so bad that I remember exactly what the contract is. <laughs> so dumb on their part. Like, he was clearly already starting to break down. Yeah. Um, he had just two all-star games, uh, yep. 2013 and 2014. But he was on the all-defensive team a few times. Um, yeah. First team once, I think, and second team like a few other times. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something. It really is. Uh, he was a great player. Um, that's actually, a, I, I think I was a little surprised you put him number five and not a little bit higher. Okay. Uh, I thought I, I thought I might hear it because I actually put him higher than number five. My number five is Mike Conley. And I put Mike Conley number five because he's had a long career. He's still playing and he's, he's great. Um, he was known for a long time as like one of the best players who didn't make an all-star game. And right. then finally, uh, in not this last season, but the one before 2021, he did make an all-star game with the jazz, but it was like, as I think he was an injury or replacement. So, I mean, it, it, he's still an all-star, but it's kind of funny that like no one would argue that last year with the jazz was his best season. He just, you know, never yeah, that was through with Memphis. Yeah. That was one of those like tip of the cap things, I think. Yeah. Right. Having, but he, I think he's also, he could have like a little bit of a tail on his career here where he's like an assist specialist. And he's, he still plays really good defense. So I think he's, I think I have him, of course, I mean, later, I think it'll, for the purposes of this, it'll be better for us to talk about the players when they come up probably, but he, uh, like, so I think my opinion is he's like, he had a long run of being maybe the best or second best player on that team, on mm -hmm. that Grizzlies team. But then now I think he might be one of those guys that kind of doesn't peter out quickly. Like he might have like a string of, into his late thirties, I think possibly. Yeah. It's not the, the book is not fully written on him. And that is actually kind of the interesting thing about you picking the 2007 draft, because it is a mix of players that are retired and some that are still like going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going strong in some cases. All right. What's your number four? My number four is speaking of the Memphis Grizzlies, Marcus all. Okay. Center Spain from Spain. His brother Pau was on the bulls. I think in that same year. Important to note, he's a second-round pick. Second-round pick, yeah. I believe it was in the high 40s. Yeah. Um, it was a great pick by Memphis. Um, he just uh, – he's – Marcus – I mean, he's a, he's a guy to – there's a lot of players in this draft, actually, that they don't have – there's not a lot of players in this draft that won a ton of titles or anything like that. But they just had, like, very solid – long careers where they were on like either all defensive teams or, you know, decent amount of all-star appearances, um, things like that. So I think he's, he's still play, he played last year, but didn't look very good. And I think he went back to Spain yeah. this year, maybe. Yeah. I think he is, uh, he did not look good with the Lakers. Yeah. He just has lost a lot of quickness. So 
It yeah. made him tough to play, I think. But uh, no, great pick. My number four is was your number five, and that's Joakim Noah. Uh, and again, I think we've mentioned all the things we can about him, uh, but he was he was just a fun player to root for. Yeah, I gotta say, and, really uh, high energy, really high energy, and it, it just. Yeah, it made me like the Bulls a lot when, you know, I lived in Chicago, but uh, it took me a while to try to embrace the Bulls because there was so much heartache from when the Bulls beat the Sonics in the finals in 1996. Mm -hmm. And Joe Noah was like a big reason for that. He was like a fun player to root for. Yeah. Uh, so really good. My number four. What's your number three? My number three was Mike Conley. And I don't have too much extra to say about him. I just think he's like a, and a list that's kind of oddly scattered with big men. He's, he's a really good point guard. And he's like, we said, still, still got some good ball left in him. I think he does. And I will say, I, uh, with five, four and three, we have kind of all the same players, but we're not hitting any double dips. I think with two and one, we will, but my yeah. number three is Mark Gasol. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, all the things that have been said. Such a good defensive player. Right. I I did a last-minute switch, though, because he actually briefly was my number two. Mm. Uh, and I switched him to my number three in favor of a different player for number two. Um, but, yeah, Marcus all really strong. And it, it, it just, like, one of those kind of defensive players – uh, a little bit like some of the strength that like Draymond Green has, although he's certainly bigger than Draymond Green, but just like an excellent defensive quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was one of his, his great skill sets. Yeah, and pretty good, pretty good lateral quickness for us, as big as he was up until recently. I don't know if he had injuries or whatever, if it's just wear and tear, but yeah, very good defensive player. Definitely. All right, you're number two. My number two is another player who played really well. He almost was responsible for that game one win, Al Horford. Oh, my God. 26 <laughs> points. He went off. He, he was, the way that he went off, and he is, by the way, double dip, also my number two. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that he went off made me think, like, oh, if Al Horford wants it this bad and he plays like this, the Warriors are going to lose. Yeah, he's like I, he's, I wasn't accounting for him to be good. I I I mean I did watch most of the playoff series and he has been looking pretty, pretty like he, he's in the way back machine. Like he had a couple years off basically, I think, that helped him maybe. Um because mm -hmm. he kind of just had this like wink wink agreement with the Thunder that they just kind of let him sit and heal up his body a little bit rather than play for a team that was tanking. Um, and then when the, when the Celtics got him back, man, he just fit right back in. Same with Tice, um, especially on defense. They just really have a system that when they get these guys that know it, it's it's really impressive paired with, you know, the two punch of, of Jason uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown on offense. It's like pretty pretty solid team they have. It really is. And I think that time off, like, seemed to help him massively. Yeah, because he looks he so it. much more energetic and just uh, he. Yeah, like another great example of a great big man uh, defensive player and like quarterback style and the fact that he was just like. 
hitting threes like that. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but like there's been some memes going around of his shooting form. It's very weird. It's very weird. It looks like, and people have pointed out, it looks like he's blocking his own shot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it like goes in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had a rough game too, at least offensively. Uh, so we'll see. I, but I do think the series comes down to like, what Alf Horford or what's he going to be able to pull out of the tank? Yeah. In his, what is probably like 34, 35. I need to look. Yeah. Right. He's somewhere right in there. Cause he was a junior at Florida when he came out. Yeah. So he is, I mentioned he's also my number two. He's a five time all-star. He was, I think the, uh, there were some really good Atlanta Hawk teams in there. Yeah. Some 61 teams. I think he was the biggest reason why like him and Paul Millsap are good. Uh, Mike Budenholzer coached. Yeah. Hawks uh, teams. And uh, yeah, he's just like a really strong, but you know, kind of actually kind of like a lot of the players on this list. Mike Conley fits this bill too, like chronically under the radar players. Yeah. And I've always liked him. Back to those Hawks days, I was always somebody that he just seems to have that like temperament and that the way he plays is just easy to watch. You know, he's always doing something and that helps when he's playing well. So he's a good, he's a good player. All right. We are down to it. I don't think there's a lot of suspense. So I'm not even going to do a fake drum roll on my desk, but who is your number one? My number one is one of the greatest players of all time. Undoubtedly Kevin Durant. Yep, another double dip. Two double dips for this list, of course. Mine is also Kevin Durant. What do you like about KD? Oh, he's just, I remember seeing him in college. The fact that he's as tall as he is and basically plays like a shooting guard is just mm-hmm. so staggering to watch. Um, his his jumper is a thing of beauty. Every The way he shoots free throws, it's like everything he does shooting the basketball is just like, Beautiful. It's great. He's such an unbelievable um, offensive player. Um, really kind of like one of a kind, honestly. I don't oh, yeah. know if there's anybody else that compares. Because even Dirk, Dirk was tall and had a great shot, but he was a, he was not as nimble as oh. Kevin Durant by any means. So It was so – I, I went to a couple of games. I, I went to at least one game, I think, his rookie year uh, in Seattle when I was back in town and I mean, you could see he was going to be very good, but it was the, his mechanics. Um, and he just watching him start to figure out, I mean, he's like, he's still skinny, but like he was incredibly skinny as a rookie. Yeah. Um, and his motion took a little bit longer and it was just, but you could tell he like, he was still a dead eye shooter. He was going to be amazing. And it was great to watch him then. Like, made losing the Sonics even more heartbreaking. Right. Uh, but what's interesting about that team, and you mentioned it at the top, is they they actually started him as a shooting guard. Yeah, I and believe he it. He was like 6'9", 6'10". Uh, he probably even grew another inch since then. Um, he's one of those guys where somebody has shown it to me. They had like a picture of him, I think, on one of the USA basketball teams standing next to DeMarcus Cousin. Uh, cousins and it says like Kevin Durant listed at six nine, Demarcus Cousins listed at six eleven, and Kevin Durant is like 
two inches taller than Nova Scotia. <laughs> like, one of them is lying. <laughs> yeah. I think Kevin Durant is a legit seven foot. I yeah. really do. Yeah. Um, but no, he's awesome. I, what do you think? What do you see the next? Because he was part of the 2007 draft, which means he's only got so many years left. I don't really think about it with Kevin Durant, but like he's getting up there. Yeah. Um, how do you see his last few years in the NBA going? Like what needs to happen for him to get a championship? Like I feel, I don't want to say I feel bad for him, but like the Brooklyn experience has been not great. Yeah. Harden already wanting out to like, I, I'm on the record as hating Kyrie Irving, but uh, like him just like not playing and maybe also souring Harden on the team and, now they have Kyrie. Are they even going to sign him? And then they have Ben Simmons, and who knows what he's going to bring? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, like, what 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 does KD do? I don't know. I mean, it seems like he's in lockstep with that team. Like, he seems to be the the guy. Um, I, I could see him if it goes poorly enough next year. If they get like their worst case scenario outcome next year, I could see him maybe trying to maneuver his way to another team at some point. But I think he's like we said, there's not really a strong comp for him. But because of the way he plays, he's a, he's a absolutely lethal catch and shoot player. Um, he does have enough he does have effective enough handles to like create a lot of separation for himself. And I know that can wane as you, as your steps get slower, as we see with James Harden, that first step is nowhere near what it used to be. Mm -hmm. So it just makes him a lot less effective, but I don't think he's the same type of player. Like James Harden always relied on series of moves and quick jab steps and things like that for That's what made him really kind of special. And I think Kevin Durant has so much of the catch and shoot in his game that he's going to have a pretty good, you know, run of still being like an elite offensive score for a while. Um, but yeah. it's just like you said, where, where will it be? I don't know. Do you think KD ever wins another championship? I do. I do. I think he's, I think he's good enough where, and I think the way the NBA is now where, where they can, he can see what he can see a team where maybe he, him going to that team and plugging in would be the thing that, puts them over the top. Now, I don't know. That doesn't mean anything. Once it comes to it, they still have to win the games, but I could see him winning another title. Yeah. All right. Do you have any honorable mentions? I did have a couple. Um, one of them is a, a personal favorite of mine uh, who I believe recently is retired, but Marco Bellinelli. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I really like him. Um, Jeff Green, who we talked about, who's a really good um, player, still go- still playing. He was on the Nuggets last year. And then Thad, Thaddeus Young, or as Stacey King so awesomely called him, Thadric Johnson. <laughs> he, he was great for the Bulls. I was sad when they lost him. I but. know. And then he never played for the Spurs. And they finally traded him to, to Toronto and let him out of jail, and he played there. Yeah, I like Thad Young a lot. Um, and Jeff Green, you're right. Like Jeff Green was a pretty high pick. Um, but I just like the longevity of his career and how he kind of – people used to kind of shit on him. And then he just like kept going and was good and was always like a great piece uh, yeah. in the latter half of his career. So he was great. I also I also just want to give a shout out to Wilson Chandler too, to Paul. Yeah, just having a, a pretty strong NBA career. He really did. Yeah. Um, all right, folks at home, 
If you have picks from the 2007 NBA draft you think we forgot about, hit us up. Uh, you can let us know on our Twitter, that's at Whiskey Sessions, or our email address is whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. We'll read it on a future episode, but we got to get to your emails for this episode. So without further ado, these are your emails. You sent us emails to read emails, and now we'll read them. All right, this is what I have in the old email inbox. It says, gentlemen, longtime listener, first time writer. Where do you think Steph Curry ends up in the ranking of NBA players if the Warriors win the chip? And this is from Porter in Pacifica, California. Hmm. So this means like all time, where he ranks on the all-time list if they win another title this year. Yeah. He's so tough to judge because he's really unlike any other player. He's the best shooter of all time. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah. He's even hard to judge in the point guard sense because he's not like really a traditional point guard. He's not his assist numbers are never going to be like competitive with a lot of point guards like Magic right. or John Stockton or any of those guys. But I don't know. I mean, this would give him his fourth championship, and he is just so influential on the game, unlike maybe any other player in the modern era. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking. I wanted to see some of his other stats. He's he won the MVP twice. He's been an All Star eight times. He was the All Star game MVP this year. He's four times All NBA first team, three times second team, and a, and a third team in there. So that's eight All NBA teams. Mm-hmm. He's won the three point contest twice. He was a Conference Finals MVP, scoring champion twice. He he led the league in steals. He's in the fifty forty ninety club. I think he's. I mean, he was in the top. He was in the seventy-five. Yeah, the seventy-fifth anniversary team. Mm-hmm. He's he's up there. I, I don't think I put him in the top ten, maybe. But he's definitely. If you say is Steph Curry in the top twenty-five, I would say absolutely. I think you're right there. I would even say probably top twenty. I think I would okay. say, and I think yeah. you're right. Probably not top ten, but you know who knows. Um, he. He interestingly does not have a finals MVP, which people comment on all the time. He could. He could change that very soon. Yeah, we'll see. Um, All right. Well, again, if you want to write in, uh, please do. Uh, Our email address, of course, is whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. We'll read it on a future episode. But that does it for this episode. Be pimp. Any words of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with? Steph Curry is also angrily good at golf. He's like extremely good at golf. I'm leaving you with that. Think about that. Not as good as you. I, but before we started recording, <laughs> B-Pimp said he shot in the 40s. Yeah. Is generally like about 25 under par. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Steph Curry's not doing that. No. Yeah. We don't need to get into how many holes I played. That's not <laughs> no, that's not important. Somewhere between 9 and 27. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Until next time, this is A-Matt saying peace out. And people saying bye.